Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue. A little later today, we'll be joined by Jim Dow from RevsNet.com. And then later, we'll have uh, Dave Lifton from ussoccerplayers.com, who also runs the blog bookfordescent.com, uh, who'll be de- helping us preview the upcoming game against DC United. Revolution last night came away with a one to nothing victory over the league-leading Columbus crew. Kelly Dubé scored in the 89th minute for his second goal in as many games, as well as the second game winner in two games. A very impressive performance from the rookie. Shari uh, Joseph, Joseph took a late PK after Steve Ralston at the top of the box was tripped up by Ezra Hendrickson. Uh, tough call for referee Richard Hrone to make, but... Uh, looking at the replays, it looks like the right call. Uh, Joseph was unable to convert the penalty kick. He did place it well to the corner, but what Will Hesmer, uh, the goalkeeper for the Columbus crew, made a great save. Uh, Kelly Dubé came in, was the first of the ball, uh, slotted into the net. Hesmer got up in time, possibly could have saved it, uh, but really a tough, tough play for him to make after making that great save. Uh, looking at the replays there, it looked like Kelly Dubé might have actually stepped into the box before Shari Joseph touched the ball. Referee didn't see it, though, and got away with it, so... Uh, great victory for the Revs there, going three points, uh, gaining three points, and keeping the crew from gaining another three points, which puts the Revs now tied for first place with Columbus and Chicago with 19 points in the league. Chicago, of course, had a game earlier today, uh, completely trounced the Red Bulls five to one. Uh, really shocking performance by the Red Bulls in that one uh, at home at Giant Stadium. I think we would all expect the Red Bulls to put a little bit more of an effort up than they did in that match, uh, but. Chicago came in really proving to be the class of the league, put up five goals on the Red Bull. There were nearly four goals in just a, a period of just over 15 minutes there in the second half uh, after going into halftime with a 1-0 lead. So Chicago is really proving to be the class of the league going in this, into this year. Uh, tied up front, as I mentioned, with the Revs and Columbus now for first place. But going back to that Revs game last night, uh, really a pretty even match throughout. Columbus had some of the better chances. Ma- Matt Reese came up really huge a couple times. Uh, 15 minutes before Kelly Dubé scored, uh, there was a chance for Eddie Gavin after Frankie Hato got off a good cross. Eddie Gavin really just almost inside the six-yard box. Got off a great header. I-, I thought that was going in. Somehow Matt Reese managed to make an incredible acrobatic save. Uh, the shot was just a few feet out. He managed to push that wide of the net. Even earlier in the match, in about the 26th minute, I think it was uh, possibly Brad Evans or Robbie Rogers. I don't recall who it was. Who or Actually, Alejandro Moreno got off a great shot. Uh, again, from point-blank range, and Reese made another great save. Only made two saves to the match, but, man, they were really game-changers uh, from his perspective with those two great saves. Uh, again, now the Revolution in first place, uh, moving on up the table with 13 goals for, 11 goals against. Uh, this is all without Taylor Twelman. Twelman's played all of one half this season. Their all-time leading scorer, missing him. And now it looks like he's going to be out for another three to six weeks as this ankle injury, which originally looked like it wasn't going to be as bad as they expected, is now actually worse than they expected. Uh, Kenny Mansali, who's been doing so well starting up top now uh, next to Kelly Dubé, and looked pretty likely to be the starter next to Taylor Twelman when he returned healthy. He is going to be out for now three weeks as he got called up for the Gambian national team 
for the World Cup qualifi- for the African Nations Cup qual- qualifiers uh, this next month. Uh, a little surprise, Sandy Yassi didn't get called up for some of his great performances, but all the better for the Revs as he put in another good performance last night. And m- who knows, maybe with Twaman and Mansali out, we'll see Yassi moved up top uh, with Wells Thompson doing so well on the right wing. Uh, and that's quite a possibility because it seems like Adam Christman has fallen far down in the depth charts for the New England Revolution with Steve Nichol um, not even putting him in last night. Uh, he hasn't been playing a, a lot at all lately um, where he looks like he would be the first choice. You know, with Niasi, uh I mean with Mansali and Twelman both out, he'd be the number one choice to partner up with Kelly Dubé, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Maybe we'll see Niasi move up, uh, particularly with Christman not playing tonight. I think you want to get some more you know, time in on the field to get back into you know, game shape going into this game. But we'll see what happens with that. The Revs certainly have proven that they can play without some of their star players. They had a game this year against FC Dallas without six starters and came away with a one nothing victory in Dallas. And that was when Dallas was one of the top teams in the league playing really well. Uh, obviously, they're not playing so well anymore with Los Angeles now uh, at the top of the tables. Quite a turnaround from last year. Beckham scored an amazing goal last night. I'm actually going to talk a little bit about the games throughout the league now. Uh, they won 3-1 to one over the Houston Dynamo. A great comeback. Actually, it was 3-1 to one over the Kansas City Wizards. A great comeback there. Claudio Lopez scored in the 40th minute for Kansas City. Uh, they w- took a one nothing lead at halftime. Then Landon Donovan on a penalty kick uh, scored his ninth goal of the, of the year. A really impressive performance from Donovan, uh, who's doing so well this year. Edson Buttle got his fourth goal. Of course, the, his other three goals are all in one game with a gr- uh, hat trick. You never know when Buttle's going to show up. He scored a hat trick against the Reds in the past. Then he can go missing for a lot of games, but he's looked good in the past couple games. And then David Beckham, 94th minute. Uh, Kevin Hartman was up trying to get a, uh, on a header on a corner kick. The ball got out to Beckham. Uh, from looked like 70 yards out, he sent an amazing shot all the way into the goal to put the LA Galaxy up 3-1 to and clinch that game. So now the Galaxy, uh, after last year failing to make the playoffs, being so disappointed uh, with Beckham coming in, now they're in first place in the Western Conference. Western Conference has really been mediocre this year. None of the teams playing too well. Uh, none of the, the highest any of those teams would be in the Eastern Conference would be fourth place. <laughs> so not not too impressive from the West. But the Galaxy certainly quite a turnaround from last year, and they should be happy with that. Um, as I mentioned, Chicago Fire completely trounced the Red Bulls today. Chicago's really been the class of the league, um, really playing extremely well, especially at home, uh, but on the road as well, as you can see, with a 5-1 to victory over the Red Bulls. Uh, as poor as the Red Bulls have been over the years, that is certainly an impressive result for the Chicago Fire. Um, and the other results last night, we saw DC United finally get another victory over Toronto FC. Toronto would actually beat them on Wednesday. DC's really been struggling this year. This was only their second or their third win this year. Uh, three wins, seven losses at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. They lost a couple players. Christian Gomez was gone. Uh, Bobby Boswell was gone, as well as a couple others. But really, I don't, I don't think anyone was expecting them to do as bad as they're, as they're doing. And as I said, we will have Dave Lifton on, who covers D.C. pretty closely. We'll talk to him a little bit later about why D.C. has played so poorly. But certainly this is going to be a good win for them uh, coming into Thursday, give them some confidence. But the Revs, again, are on a three-game winning streak. Uh, going, into, going into last game, they hadn't even had a single winning streak all season. Now they've won three in a row against some pretty tough oppositions, with the exception of San Jose, of course, who uh, have been struggling. But they, too, got a win on Thursday against the Houston Dynamo. Of course, Houston used to be San Jose, uh, so playing a lot of their former players, Frank Yop, certainly familiar with that team. Uh, they scored some great goals from Kai Kamara and Avon Guerrero. Uh, only a late goal from Brian Ching uh, kept them from kept Houston from being shut out in that matchup. Uh, so a good performance from San Jose there. San Jose uh, with seven points. They actually two games in hand on D.C. 
So they're not doing that poorly for an expansion team from what we've seen over the years uh, with two victories already this season. We know how long it took Toronto to get a victory. Uh, and then the other games, FC Dallas with a 2-1 to one victory over Real Salt Lake. Uh, Salt Lake got a really, really unlucky red card in there. Um, just the 30th minute, I enjoy, got a red card for what was uh, not really, barely a foul at all, just a, a unlucky tripping of a player. In no way did that warrant a red card. Uh, really put Real Salt Lake in a bad position. Uh, fortunately for them, Bobby Ryan got a well-deserved red card a little later in that game, and then Salt Lake actually took the lead in the 69th minute, uh, but we're unfortunate to fall behind on two really exceptional goals from Dominic Oduro in the 83rd minute and 91st minute, but certainly they can be upset with the refereeing in that game because Ian, I enjoy really did not deserve that red card. Uh, and then the other game last night, Chivas USA taking on the Colorado Rapids in Colorado. We all know how hard it is for teams to win in Colorado, having watched the Revs struggle so much there over the years. Uh, but Chivas US, USA came away with a 2-1 to victory. Jesse Mars scored in the 40, 45th minute. Jorge Flores scored in the 79th minute. And then Tom McManus, the uh, Scottish player that Colorado brought in, got a second goal of the year in the 80th minute. But at that point, it was too late for Colorado to come back. And Chivas U, USA got a, come away, came away with a deserving win. Chivas, though, only has 11 points in the season and a losing record after being one of the top teams in the Western Conference last year. And as I mentioned, Houston really struggling as well, only 2-3-4 and four after being the top team in the Western Conference last year and one of the top teams in the Western Conference and winning the MLS Cup. So parity has really returned to MLS this year. We've seen uh, a, a lot of teams that didn't do so well last year, like Columbus, for instance, didn't make the playoffs, but are doing really, really well this year. And the Revs have been without several starters, and they've been doing impressively well this year. So it's shaping up to be a very interesting season. Of course, with D.C. coming on Thursday, that's a game that looks like the Revs should win the way D.C. has been playing. Uh, but it certainly could be a trap game in that sense, too, because, as I said, D.C. should have some confidence after finally beating Toronto uh, last night with a 3-1 to victory. Um, we are going to take a quick break now, and then we'll be back with Jim Dow from ResNet.com to talk a little bit more about the Revolution's one nothing victory last night over the... Columbus Crew. Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams, Soccer New England magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. The National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. 
Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, now joined over the phone by Jim Dow from RevsNet.com. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. How are you doing? Well, uh, doing pretty good. Uh, uh, that was quite a, uh, an event last night, uh, pulling it out of the fire, and uh, so to speak. And uh, the, the sort of glow continues. Were you at all surprised that uh, that Reese, uh, how big of a factor Reese was in that game with making those big saves there? And uh, well, I think we've I think we've forgotten, you know, how heroic he can be because certainly uh, when when he first started playing regularly for the team, he was he was pulling the fat out of the fire often, and and the last couple of years it it seems to have been less, uh, you know, less of the norm. But he, you know, he is a spectacular goalie and. Uh, he just uh, he stood tall, and um, even at that that last little bit, and I think it was the dying twenty seconds or so, when when he went right between two guys and grabbed the ball, uh, you know, I was convinced there was gonna it was gonna bobble across and go in. And I thought this was definitely Reese's best performance of the year. Only made two saves, but they were very important ones, and you know, just his play throughout the game was great. Uh, one of those game-saving and one of those game-changing games for him, where he really took a, took control, made those big saves that you know changed the game. What did you think of Dubé's performance overall? It seemed like he wasn't involved that much in the game, but then certainly there at the end, uh, coming in with that goal. Well, the problem is, I think um, when you don't have a player like Twelman, uh, and I remember writing this a couple weeks ago, that when Twelman came in in that uh, roughly half hour that he played before he was uh, before he was injured uh, against Chivas. Twelman gives everybody on the uh, offensive side of the team a sort of point of reference because he's so smart uh, at making his runs and so clear about where he's going to be. And uh, I think, you know, at that point, Dubé played magnificently because he had somebody to sort of refer to. I think when you play two kids uh, up front, uh, despite the fact that, well, Dubé's really not a kid but, but a rookie, Despite the fact that uh, both of them, I think, have a lot of potential and, and play well in spurts, they don't really play off each other in the way that, say, uh, they would when Twelman was there or the marvelous way that Joseph and Ralston did. I mean, that was just a clinic, what they did to, to lead up to that, uh, to that penalty. And what do you think we'll see these next couple of weeks with I mean, Sally going to be away as well as Twelman? Will, will Chrisman step back into the lineup? Or do you think Nickel will maybe make some shifts? Uh, you know, like he did with almost the three-six-one formation, it looked like a couple weeks ago. Right. It's hard to say now because uh, uh, for the first time, as long as I can remember, following this team, and certainly for the first time in the nickel era, uh, there are a f- few chips to play, and um, so I, I, I suspect it will be on a game-by-game basis. And I don't know um, the situation with DC. Uh, enough in the back to say uh, what kind of combination they might play. Uh, certainly when they played Chivas, uh, you know, there was no question that they, they were putting speed in there because they thought they could beat, uh, beat the Chivas back line. And certainly when they played San Jose, the, you know, the lineup changed a, a bit in relation to that. And the, again, the lineup changed a bit in relation to uh, Columbus. So I suspect he'll tinker some, uh, although, of course, he will be missing one of his, one of his main chips, and that's Mansali. Were you surprised at all that Wells Thompson got the start again? Or do you no. think they're going to continue doing something where Niasi comes off the bench with you know, using his good speed? I think Niasi has to prove himself defensively, um, um, which, which Mansali has. Uh, you know, Mansali has, uh, has checked back quite a bit 
uh, in the times that he has played. And Niasi seems to be getting uh, be getting beaten a little bit more. And so I think Thompson is just at this point still a bit more experienced. And I think you know it's interesting how how people uh, sort of pick on Thompson for for not being skilled. Uh, one of the first things I've always heard when either Nickel or Mariner talk about Thompson is that he's got fabulous feet, and they're not referring to his speed. They're referring to his, his skill with the ball. And if you remember the goal he scored last year, where he, I think he went around a couple of people and, uh, and put it in, you know, he's, he's got the skill. Just for some reason, he's not at the, you know, being able to sort of impress it in the, on the opposition in the way that he was uh, certainly in the early parts of last year. But I think he's I think he's still a good player, and I think he has a lot of potential. I know I read your column recently about uh, Guillermo Barrascoloto and uh, talking to Paul Mariner. Uh, what do you think about these players coming into the league and you know, kind of the embellishment they've made in the dives? I know you sent me that, told me about that video there about uh, Scalotto against Toronto FC and uh, kind of kind of the embarrass, embarrassing uh, theatrics there of Scalotto in that match. But he's really a talented player, and I think we've seen some of the same things from Blanco, another you know game-changing player. Uh, is that bad for the league at all to see some games, you know, where they're really, you know, trying that hard to win these fouls? I don't think it's bad at all. I mean, I, I hear some quote purists huff and puff and and uh, you know say that it's it's a bad thing and it's cheating and so forth. But you know, um, when the when the English designed this game, they put into to the whole idea of the game that it's not only a test of skill, it's a test of character, and. And they also put in the idea that the referee and the lines, the lines people, are part of the game. They're not, they're not considered separate from the game. They're part of the game. So part of the, the whole question of when you, when you play a professional football match is you, you see how far you can take the referee. You see how far you can take the opposition. It's not the idea of trying to hurt anybody or anything like that. That's a whole other matter. But the idea of really pushing, pushing, pushing to see just when other players will will snap or break. Um, you notice he was pretty quiet uh, last night because last night was a completely different kind of game than than the game against uh, against Toronto. You know, he really uh, was was very, very sort of restrained for uh, for Chiloto. But uh, he also. Uh, wasn't as effective because this this game uh, featured a lot of really really tight marking on both sides. Did you ever think Columbus would be doing as well as they have been this year? Really, they haven't made in that many changes from last year's squad. Uh, Ziggy Smith sounded like for a while uh, like he might be let go from the coaching position there. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean they they, they have had uh, for the last two or three years they have had good players. There's no question about that. And in fact, the the, the great criticism of Siggy Schmidt was that he couldn't manage good players. He couldn't handle good players. But um, seemingly, uh, they went back to you know, back to the drawing board and and seemed to be doing just fine. And I I did did feel watching last night's game that that I was watching two quite good teams uh, really really cancel each other out, uh, which was not at all a boring game. It was actually an absolutely fascinating game because it was really a question of who would sort of crack first. And that little flurry at the end that uh, you know that Ralston and uh, um, <coughs> excuse me Ralston and Joseph put on, but was also working uh, with Mansali and Niasi uh, on the right side was really pretty masterful. And looking at this team, and uh, obviously they lost to some some big players, and Pat Noonan, Andy Dorman, uh, James Riley, really a versatile guy that you know contributed off the bench. 
but it seems like they have a lot more depth than, you know, despite that, it seems like they have a lot more depth this year than, than last year. I, I know going into the season, it didn't look like they were making that many moves, uh, but then Niasi Mansali really stepped up, Castro stepped up. Do you think this is a deeper team than we've seen in the past? I think this is potentially the deepest team they've ever had. I, I think we still have to see what happens with the younger players uh, come, let's say, uh, mid-July. Uh, because remember, if you're coming out of college, the longest season you've ever played is 20, 25 games. Uh, and 20, 25 games, given the fact that this team could potentially play 45 games this year, 20, 25 games is barely halfway. So uh, we'll see if anybody kind of hits the wall. Uh, the other question, of course, is, is, you know, the old baseball analogy of going around the league once. What happens when some of these young guys start playing uh, teams for the second or third time? Let's see if, if uh, you know, how much of, for, for instance, the cutback move, uh, Neossi's cutback move, everybody's sort of on to that now. Uh, you know, the question will be how much adjustment will be made towards these young guys and, and towards, in, in fact, towards Castro as well. Uh, and and so so I think the jury is still out until certainly uh, the end of July. At the same time, I think potentially these these guys are the uh, you know this is the deepest team that they've ever had. And what what is your opinion of Castro? He seems like he's you know really calming influence on the field. Did have that one red card that you know where he kind of lost his head there, but he has yet to contribute an assist or a goal to this team uh, and really make that final pass offensively. His set pieces have been good. Uh, do you th- how how long do you think he has before you know it's well, time for him well, to actually remember, remember the thing they used to say about Pepe and he said it himself that he was the player who made the pass to the player who makes the pass that scores the goal and I think Kevin well he too did have seasons where he had you know ten ten fifteen assists right. even where he led the right. team in assists right but I think Castro is 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 the same kind of player and remember that Castro's Castro's most effective position uh, by his admission is outside so an outside player. Unless they're the, the you know like like a Steve Ralston uh, used to be going down to the to the byline and getting crosses in that were put in the goal, uh, Castro is not necessarily the kind of player who's going to uh, get a whole bunch of assists. I have noticed he is a lot quicker on the shot than Pepe, and it's just a question before one of those goes in. He's had I think at least three, if not four or five shots on, you know, direct shots on goal that he's pulled the trigger, uh, and the keepers made the save. So. So I think he's a, I think he's a very very good player. He's a bit different than Pepe. There's no question about that. But I think the the thing that he gives them that's so so valuable is is unless he's unless he's unaware of a player behind him. That is to say, if somebody hasn't yelled, you know, Mauricio or Pipo, there's a guy on you. Uh, he just never loses the ball, and and that is invaluable with this team. And the other thing I think uh, he adds to the team that's really important is. You know, is that set pieces? You know, his ability on set pieces. Finally, the refs have somebody you know with a left foot on these set pieces. Where if you just had you know Rawlson and you know the Rentwoods had been stepping up, but those are two guys where if you you know you you know what you're going to get really. Uh, goalkeepers can cheat to one side if they you know see somebody coming up. Know it's going to be a right-footed shot. How important do you think it is to have you know these two different options stepping up that you know really different type of types of balls sent in from either one? Oh, I think it's absolutely important, and I think also the thing is he puts a he puts a flat ball in with a lot of spin on it, and you get your head on one of those things, and that thing's going to explode. Uh, so I think yeah, he 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 gives a lot to the uh, to the team in terms of in terms of the free kicks, and and also you know uh, although Ralston is sort of the king of the corner kick, 
uh, you know, he puts in a very, very good corner kick too. And so, you know, you can indeed change uh, change the pace on that as well. And and going back uh, to the Revs this season, and as I mentioned, uh, tied for per, for first first place with Chicago and Columbus on points. Of course, Columbus and Chicago do have a game in hand, but take away these games against Chicago, uh, the Revs have a much better record. They've given up seven goals uh, against Chicago, uh, haven't scored any. What do you think it is about Chicago that the, you know, the Revs have had so much trouble against? I think what it is about Chicago is they're very, very good. Did you see what they did to the Red Bulls today? Yeah, that, was, that was pretty shocking to see that 5-1 no. dismantling that. Yeah, I think they're just very, very good. And uh, again, um, the question is, I mean, remember in 2005 when the Revs ran away and hit from the league in the first uh, the first two-thirds of the season and then kind of came back to reality and, in fact, unfortunately kind of fell apart at, at the end. But, um, you know, I think it's a long, 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 long grind, and the hot weather isn't here yet. Uh, teams, the sort of cumula- cumulative effect of all the traveling that these guys do hasn't hit yet. But certainly at this point, Chicago is a really, really good team. Uh, what surprises me is, is you know, that um, they really didn't add that many players. Uh, it's a question. It's a question just of, uh, you know, and they got a they got a new coach who, although he was the assistant coach, was relatively inexperienced, and there was a lot of you know grumbling about Osorio leaving. But they sure have. They sure look good right now. And some of the other teams that have you know, surprised a bit. Of Toronto, who've made a nice turnaround from last year with already with four wins on the season, yeah. uh, they didn't make that many changes. But towards the end of last season, you know, they were really shuffling things around. Uh, as I mentioned, in the off season they didn't have that many big changes, but so many changes last year they couldn't really get in a groove. Uh, do you think it was just a matter of time before they brought, you know, were able to put things together like they have this season? Well, remember these guys practice, uh, you know, ninety minutes to one hundred and twenty minutes uh, for depending on travel, four to five days a week. Um, and so you put a team together from scratch, uh, playing against teams, well, say the Revolution being a great example, playing against teams who have played together for, uh, some of those players have played together for six years now. Uh, it's a completely different kind of thing. Uh, again, to refer back to that play where the led to the Ralston uh, penalty, um, Joseph and Ralston, hardly even looked at each other when they made those passes. And that was in very, very, very tight quarters. I mean, there were five or six players standing around. You know, it wasn't as if they were out in the middle of some wide-open space. They were working that ball almost uh, almost blindly to each other. And that's the result of playing together, you know, that kind of thing. Or the kind of coverage that, that sometimes when one player will uh, will take out a, a you know take out an opposing forward and another player will come out behind him and get the ball without even looking you know those are the kind of things that you that you learn from playing together and and practicing together and the fact is that Toronto that last season had probably only practiced together by the beginning of the season what 30 times something like that some very very small number of times against teams that had played together for 5 and 6 years so I think that's really what we're seeing is just the evolution of what that particular group of players, plus Laurent Robert, who is a terrific player, uh, are capable of doing. And you mentioned the, you know, the young players in the Revolution earlier, uh, the guys like Niasi and Mansali, and then they also brought in Brandon uh, Manzanelli coming in. Uh, it seems like this year the team has gotten a lot, you know, teenagers that where you, where you haven't really seen that from the Revs in the past. 
seemed like they went several years without even a single teenager on the roster. Uh, do you think the Revs are really focusing on the youth now, especially, and is that partially because of the success they've had with uh, Niasi and Mansali? I think I think so. I think I think there, there there are three things to consider. The first is you know the first great test of a good coach or manager is how they can mold a team. You know, but the really major test is when that team starts to get old. How do they reconfigure it? And I think uh, Nickel and Mariner made a very very clear decision, uh, even even as the season was ending last year, uh, with the benching of Dorman and so forth to take the team in another direction. Uh, I think you saw a very, very clear uh, sort of illustration of who the team valued with the contracts to Twelman and the contracts to Joseph and then the subsequent hardballing of Twelman to, you know, in terms of going away to Europe. Um, so I think it's everybody understands where this team is in terms of the, the veteran players. Uh, the question then would be, would they be able to get enough good young players? And I think they really focused on this particular type of sort of off-the-charts youngish player rather than the draft. Mariner said that there is no real first round in the draft anymore, you know, that the first round of the college draft is now getting sort of cherry-picked by Europe. Uh, so it really is the second and third and fourth rounds. And then you start make, you know, calling your friends and calling your contacts. That's how they. That's how they found the the Gambian kids through contact. Yeah, and certainly they've been two huge acquisitions for the Rebs based on their performances this year. Um, I, I did mention earlier the loss of Pat Noonan. And, uh, he really seemed, as you mentioned, Joseph and uh, Joseph and Ralston played so well together last night, and they've certainly shown how you know how much time they spent together. Noonan, when healthy, really showed that in you know, the same kind of touch with Swalman. Uh, has that really been something that's hurt the Rebs forwards this year, uh, particularly the younger guys who've come in? And, you know, haven't had the chance to even play t- together with each other you now for many games in a row, let alone Twelman. seems like, you know, Chrisman was starting, and then he wasn't, and then Dubé's gotten the start, and then Twelman came back for, you know, 45 minutes. Has, has you know, the constant changes up there uh, hurt, hurt kind of the chemistry of the forwards? Yeah, I think you can't play at this level uh, without a partner. And the partner either is if you're playing two forwards, uh, you know, the way Noonan and Twelman used to play together, or the way probably when Twelman comes back, Twelman and Dubé or Twelman and Monsali will play together, or playing, if you're playing a single forward, playing with the, the person in the hole right behind you. Um, and I think if you don't have that partnership, if you don't have that, that, that chemistry, you can't, you just can't get anything done because the, uh, the, the fullbacks uh, and centerbacks are so athletic, you know. It, it, remember, the game has changed dramatically from even as uh, certainly in Mariner's day and even in Nichols' day, when the 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 speed of the of the back three or back four is so much higher. Parkhurst, for example, who's not thought of as a fast player, did you see last night when he came over uh, towards the sideline towards the end of the game to boot the ball out? He was motoring. That guy is quick. And that's the level of sort of quickness and athleticism that you're dealing with with these backs now. So I don't think a, a single player or a player playing sort of on his own with, with a partner that he doesn't really understand, uh, they just can't get anything done. So that, that kind of teamwork and partnership up front is so, so important. And you talked earlier about the long schedule this season where the Rose may have you know, as many as 45 games, something around that. Uh, they have some you know, tough competitions 
against uh, Mexican opponents in the Superliga. And there's going to be the CONCACAF Champions League will be facing you know, Mexican teams again, likely, as well as you know, some, South, some Central American teams and Caribbean teams. They haven't had much success uh, in inter- international competitions in the past when they played in the Champions Cup, but those games have been in their preseason. Do you think we're going to see a different revolution team you know, going into these games being in well, midseason I, form? I would hope so. I think, uh, I think this is going to be a real in- interesting indication of, of how sort of sophisticated uh, the, the craft organization is about this, because I would say uh, they should put a huge amount of emphasis on these Superliga and CONCACAF Championship Cup games, because what it's going to do, if, if the revolution are successful in these tournaments, it's going to mark them as a team that kids from, uh, particularly from Central America, uh, will want to come to, uh, and that's where we're going to get the, you know, the, the, the players. It's going to be from um, the countries that don't have really uh, solvent leagues. Mexico is going to be tough because the Mexican league is the most, uh, you know, successful financial, financially successful league in the Americas. Um, and has a fabulous, fabulous youth development system. But by the same token, second and third and fourth generation um, folks from Mexico may in fact start turning, in this country, start turning to MLS teams as places to, to, to sign and develop. So I think it means a lot to make a name for themselves in the region uh, as a club, as a club that develops kids, as a club that, that you know, has a has a sort of, view beyond the league itself i think that's going to that's very very important and this this summer is a way to do it this summer is a way to achieve it i know we talked to jay heaps last week on the show and he said that they you know, the revs number one focus is still getting that mls cup is, is that the right attitude to take to put mls cup number one before these competitions are as you it, said i think it is because of the fans that you're dealing with i think you're dealing you know here in the united states you're dealing with fans that i don't think unless they come from other countries or follow international soccer understand the the idea of parallel competitions you know certainly it was a huge huge deal for manchester united to win the league in england but it was also a huge huge deal for them to win the champions league and and big teams uh whether we're talking about europe or or latin america or africa uh or asia big teams uh see that they they compete in in parallel competitions and i think mls teams are going to have to do that as well in order to, to advance to to uh, the kind of stature that the league needs in order to grow. And it seems like for the past you know, six or seven years now, every year we've seen this Revs team, and it looks like a, you know, a team that's finally you know, got, got a good enough squad to win the MLS Cup, and they, you know, they've made it there a lot now. They still haven't gotten over the edge. Do you think this is finally the team <laughs> with, with those players that can finally do that, and especially with the bench players? Should everyone be remain, remain healthy? <laughs> yeah, I think the problem is you have to play the game. <laughs> that, that's the problem. You can look so 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 good on paper and be so improved, and then you have to play the ninety or one hundred and twenty minutes and face the penalties and all of that. And uh, you know that's why I think that's why we all love the sport so because you really do have to play the game. But I also think what's it's what's so fascinating. Who knows? I mean, so, sure, if they get the MLS Cup, and uh, I went to MLS Cup last year in in DC, and I just had I just had such a blast. It was such a wonderful scene. But, you know, uh, even though the team was looking really, really good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I, you know, there was this sort of hole down in the pit of my stomach thinking, you know, we're going to figure out a way not to win this game. <laughs> and, and I think that's just being a New England fan, you know. Uh, 
not 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 necessarily revolution, just New England in general. Uh, and I'm sure that if they if they go sailing into MLS Cup next next uh, fall, and I'm either at the game or sitting in front of the TV, I'll have that same hole in my stomach. Uh, but maybe they'll win. Who knows? And I mentioned your column up on Revsnet a little bit earlier. Can you tell us a little bit about what you know what that column's about, and maybe what you have planned for the future uh, on your column on Revsnet? Yeah, I'm really in- interested in the youth development idea because. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, criticism of the revolution for uh, not being um, that forward in, in putting their, quote, brand out. And I think something that people forget is that we're one of the few teams that televises all our games. And, um, you know, and the, and the productions of the, the, the local productions of the, the um, ones that the Revs put on, not the ESPN and Fox Sports Network and so forth, but the local productions are very, very good. Um, I think this is another uh, way of moving the team into the community. And although I, I really doubt if they're going to end up getting many, if any, players out of this for the first team, uh, they might, you know, they might get one or two over the years. I think this is a really, really terrific move in, in, in making the team part of the fabric of, of, of this community. Because certainly the idea that you can go and if you make the team, all your expenses are paid, your traveling expenses are paid, et cetera, et cetera, you're going to be high visibility playing against other good teams. You know, soccer is used here in this country as a road to get into college. And I think the, the 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 revolution are going to you know people are going to come to that team because they're going to get good coaching and because they're going to play a real system, um, you know, and they're going to be playing in a sort of meritocracy where where the best kids will be picked for that team because nobody's paying. So uh, you know I think that's something that I'm really interested in in finding more about and really getting a sense of of what the the team's attitude and management's attitude towards this whole project is. I think that's a good point too with the with the youth system you know, getting these players involved in the organization. Maybe there'll be a couple guys that will choose to stay, you know, stay maybe play for the Revs instead of as we've seen a couple local guys go play over in Europe recently. Uh, if they've been involved, they'll you know enjoy being part of the club. And uh, do you think that it might have that effect too, helping some I guys? I think it certainly could. I think it certainly could. And even if it doesn't have that effect, you know, one of the things with with youth teams that that people tend to forget from the rest of the world. Is that is that the youth teams like say Manchester United's famous team that came out of the youth team with Beckham and Paul Scholes and all those guys and Neville? Uh, David Beckham was from London. Uh, you know, uh, th- these youth teams get kids in the rest of the world get kids at fourteen, fifteen from all over uh, the country that they're uh, that they're located in. Boca Juniors, for instance, has kids from all over Argentina playing for their youth team. So this idea that we have in this country of these these MLS youth teams being sort of focused on the community uh, is a little bit, uh, you know, it's a little bit more limiting. I think, on on the other hand, in terms of a public relations, uh, not a ploy, but really a public relations gesture of the best kind, it's a terrific idea. And and I think it's, I, I really have every wish for its success, and I'm really interested in talking to the people in various parts of the organization to find out what what you know what their aspirations are. Well, I certainly look forward to reading what you find out and keep up the great work on uh, revsnet.com and we'll definitely have you on the show later on in the season. Great, and I'll see you Thursday. Yeah, hopefully for uh, the uh, Revs fourth victory in a row. And and I just got to tell you one thing, you know, uh, Guillermo Barcelona's uh, nickname of course is the twin. 
and uh, Gajardo's nickname is Chucky. Uh, it's a play on the fact that his, his real nickname is uh, El Muñeco, the doll, but because he looks so crazy, they call him Chucky. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. Well, that's certainly an interesting fact, and you've had a, yeah. a good game against Toronto uh, game. last night. So it should be a good game with D.C. coming up with maybe a little bit more confidence after finally getting uh, that third victory. Exactly. Well, thanks again, Jim. Uh, Jim Dow from RevsNet.com. Uh, definitely go on www.RevsNet.com. Check out his work as well as the work of uh, Brian O'Connell and you know, some of the photos from Tony Biscaya. It's a great website for any Revs fan. Uh, we are going to take another quick break here, and then we'll be back with Dave Lifton from USSoccerPlayers.com uh, and BookedForDescent.com. National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue. Now I'm joined over the phone by Dave Lifton, Writer for USSoccerPlayers.com. He also runs the uh, blog BooksForDescent.com. Dave, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you for having me on today. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Thank you. And DC United uh, with an impressive comeback victory last night over a Toronto FC side that's looked you know, pretty good this year. Uh, is that going to be a turning point for DC? Well, we hope so. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've seen a lot of parallels this year between uh, 2000, uh, the 2000 season, where you know after we had won the cup in '99, and then it kind of it all kind of came crashing down in. Uh, Kind of uh, very surprisingly, and I think there there are a lot of parallels. And I do remember there were games like a big five-two victory out in Colorado uh, that year that a lot of people thought was going to be the uh, the turning point. And it turned out uh, that it wasn't. You know, there there are still I think a lot of things that need to be worked on. But t- today, uh, last night, uh, you saw the team fight back in a way that it hadn't all season. The other two victories had been uh, fairly easily won. Uh, and you, you hadn't seen the fight, and I think that's one of the reasons why 
uh, we lost against Chivas. That's one of the reasons why, um, you know, like if you see, if you go back to the Chivas game after they scored the equalizer, the team kind of gave up. Here, you know, both times they fought back and uh, and controlled the game for, you know, for the majority of it. And I think it was uh, uh, something that we wouldn't have seen a couple of weeks ago. And for me, one of the biggest surprises from D.C. this year, you know, other than the team underperforming, is Luciano Emilio with only a second goal last night. Uh, what, what do you think it is about him that, you know, where he hasn't been scoring the same way as last year. I know there's a couple of chances that I've seen him have that in the past I would have that last year I would have thought he would have put away. Uh, do you do you think he's you know kind of hit a sophomore slump to use you know, that that phrase? I, I don't know if it's a slump. If you look at a lot of his goals, I think that they came as the result of uh, defensive breakdowns. Um, you know, like like the goal that he scored uh, last night. You know, the Sutton spilled a shot and he just ran onto it. Or just you know a ball gets loose in the box and he pops it in. He's not uh, a creator. He's not a target forward. You know he's just uh, he, he's a poacher for lack of a lack of a better word. And the team hasn't been the team around him hasn't been creating those chances. You know so when Caronta took that shot and Sutton spilled it, well that was an opportunity for him. He's he's not a, the type of player who you know you think of Jaime Moreno in the older days or. Um, or somebody like that who who could just hold the ball and turn defenses and confuse them with dazzling footwork. He, his touch isn't that great, but he finds ways to get into space. And you know, when there's a loose ball, he'll see it faster than anybody and, and put it in. And I know uh, DC lost a couple of players in the offseason: Christian Gomez, uh, Bobby Boswell, um, Brian Carroll. A couple of you know, a couple of guys that were were contributors, but. Uh, except with the exception of Gomez, not, didn't seem to me like key players in this team. What do you think it is that you know has caused DC to have this you know downturn form where uh, they brought in a, a designated player in uh, Marcelo Gallardo who's played pretty well? What is it about this team that's different from last year? Well, Troy Perkins also was a, bi- a big loss. <laughs> Troy Perkins, good um, good point know, there. Starting goalkeeper, <laughs> you know, I, I thought it was a good idea to bring in Zach Wells because I liked what I had seen out of him, but he hasn't uh, shown that he's up to the task of starting in this league yet. Um, I think that part of the problem is that the guys who came in, you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious that there's a lot of skill there in uh, Gonzalo Martinez. Gonzalo Martinez has played very well uh, in Peralta, in um, Marcelo Gallardo. Those guys are very skillful. But I think that there's a really big difference. It, it, it's a situation like when you take, sometimes you see, you see it all over the world, where you take one player out of one country and put him in another country. They're still very talented, but their skill set doesn't necessarily translate here. Um, this is a league that requires uh, physicality and speed, and uh, apart from Gonzalo Martinez, we didn't necessarily get that. Um, so I think that's hurt the team. You know, I th- th- They said at the beginning of the season that uh, this team was designed to uh, compete and win uh, the CONCACAF championship. Well, I think that in doing that, they took for granted that they would be competitive in the league. You know, we also lost Josh Gross. You know, he had lost his starting spot, but he always brought hustle and uh, down the wing. We don't have Ben Olsen, and there's a very good chance that he's not going to come back. Uh, so, you know, how do, how do you replace a guy like Ben Olsen? And because for everything that he's meant to this organization over 10 years, you, you, you can't. You have to develop him. I don't think the team has taken the approach to development that, say, uh, Steve Nichol has, and uh, I, I think it's hurt them. And a, a guy that I expected to have a 
you know, a, a, not not as great a season as he had in the past as Moreno, who's certainly getting up there in age, but he still had quietly had a good season with four assists, four goals. Of course, uh, three of those goals, uh, penalty kicks, but over the years, it's always been a good portion of his goals coming from penalties. Have you been surprised at all with you know, the season he's had? No. Jaime is Jaime. He finds his ways um, to, to score and to create and contribute. There's nobody in this league still who can hold the ball like Jaime Moreno that has the, the smarts with the ball that he does at the top of the box. And he, that's, you know, that's why he's the captain. That's why he's MLS's all-time leading goal scorer. He, he just, I, I, the, I do think that there is a problem that this team has not come up with a replacement for him. Some, they've, I think they've tried. They've tried Escandarian. They've tried Luciano Filomeno. They've tried, you know, Frank on the yell to try to be a, uh, a, uh, a guy that they could maybe do something with. And, you know, none of these players have come through. And that's going to be, uh, it, it, it's going to be very tough to replace him. And you have the game coming up against New England, obviously, that we talked a lot about in the show. Uh, is this D.C. side uh, going to be able to put one of the performances they've seen in the past? They've produced some very good games between D.C. and New England. Uh, as I mentioned, D.C. did get the win against Toronto. Uh, should give them some confidence, but uh, do you think this D.C. side is capable of making another one of those great games? I, I think it's going to depend on how well they react to New England's speed. Um, you know, Smith is very fast on the wing. Um, Shalry Joseph, I have a, t- a ton of respect for. There's nobody in this league who controls uh, a game like Shalry Joseph. And, you know, and if he is allowed to dominate Gallardo, uh, we did see in the first, in the, I think one of the things that really hurt the uh, losses in the games against uh, Chivas and in Toronto was that uh, Marcelo Gallardo in the first half in both those games was just beaten. And, uh, physically, really, he he suffered probably about five or six fouls in, in that uh, in the half in each in the first half of each game, and that rendered him ineffective in the second half, especially as he's just coming off of, of an injury. And so, as a result, I think um, if Gallardo is uh, dealt with very physically, he's going to be rendered ineffective, and, and you need him to uh, to have a good game. You do need the support players. I do think it's going to be an interesting battle uh, with Smith and um, and Caranta on the right side. And you know, I if I know you guys have had some problems scoring lately, and is Tolman going to be back? Tolman's probably not going to be back for at least another three weeks, and Mansali is actually going to be out for that game too, called up to the uh, African Nations Cup. So they'll be down to Dubé and Christman as their uh, likely two fours, unless they change formations a bit. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a, a really tough, hard-fought game. I, 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 I but I do think it's it's as always, it's going to come down to uh, who wins the battle of the midfield, Gallardo or Joseph. And D.C. this year, uh, bottom of the Eastern Conference, uh, with only three wins and seven losses. Uh, but this is a team that uh, has a lot, a great tradition in the past of playing well you know, in these CONCACAF championships and you know, the Superliga this year, uh, all these tournaments. Do you think this is a team that, you know, as you mentioned, they built the team you know, for these tournaments? Are they going to do well this year on these? I think it would have to depend on how well they... Um uh, it, on how on whether or not they're injured. If I don't think this team has a ton of depth, and if they can uh, deal with uh, go go into those tournaments healthy and on form and the way that we know that they're capable of playing, then uh, we probably have a, a pretty good shot of doing well in those tournaments. If we have to rely uh, on the bench, I think that's going to be a, that's going to lead to some problems. 
And how much pressure do you think there is on Tom Sowen right now to turn this team around? Is his job safe, or uh, is there a short leash on him at this point? Um, you know, this organization has never fired a coach. Every coach, is, the contract has run out. Uh, you know, Thomas Rongan's contract wasn't renewed. Uh, Ray Hudson's option year wasn't picked up. Arena, of course, no, and Novak went to uh, the national team. It's, it, it doesn't seem to be the way that Kevin Payne does business. But there is the situation that uh, there is a new ownership group that might not be too satisfied with the way things are going. And, you know, the, the, the speculation among fans is that uh, Bruce, uh, obviously, is, you know, bring him back into the fold. He's stated kind of that he wants to get back into the game a little bit. And, you know, you might want to grab him early before one of the upcoming expansion teams uh, grabs him. And, but, bef- and before we let you go, uh, can you tell us a little about what fans can find on your uh, blog, bookfordescent.com, and you know, where else you write? Yeah, m- right now it's mostly, uh, at Book for Descent, it's mostly just uh, me complaining about what's going on with United and, all, and uh, a lot of talking about what I've, uh, what I've said here. But there is, um, you know, just looking at, things that have gone on in the league. Um, I haven't really been doing too much writing elsewhere. Um, I might be doing some more at ussoccerplayers.com. That's going to that might or might not change. I haven't put anything up there in a couple of months. And uh, just looking for other places where I can uh, where I can write. But at the moment, everything is at uh, bookedfordescent.com. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today. And uh, keep up the good work on bookedfordescent.com. I know uh, I checked it out. I'm sure a lot of other Revs fans who you know, want insight into D.C., that's a good place to go. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Sean. Again, that was Dave Lifton. Uh, you can check out his website at www.bookedfordescent.com. We, are, we do have to wrap the show up a bit here. Uh, now, uh, as always, you can get the archives of the show at revolutionrecap.com. Again, the Revolution game this week is at 7.30 on Thursday uh, on ESPN2 against DC United. Of course, a home game. Uh, should be an interesting game whether or not DC uh, can recover and get, get back to good form, continue on, build on their win against Toronto FC. Uh, and certainly it will be interesting to see if the Revs can finally you know, put together a, a good winning streak, continue their, ga- their streak to four games. Uh, also coming up this week, though, not to be overlooked, the U.S. is going to play England in England on Wednesday, the 28th, and that can be seen at two, on 250 on ESPN Classic. Certainly should be an interesting game with Landon Donovan uh, going up against his teammate David Beckham's. Uh, seeing a lot of advertisements for that, but also Clint Dempsey could be, should be playing in that game. Uh, no current Revs in that game, maybe a little surprisingly, uh, but definitely a game to watch nonetheless. Um, then the Revs, of course, the week after will be playing against, uh, will be playing a doubleheader with a Brazil national team game against Venezuela. So some very interesting home games coming up. Uh, and again, you can go to revolutionrecap.com and check out the latest news uh, on the Revolution Recap blog. Get the archives from these shows. Uh, and right now we have up a new poll. Uh, we talked a lot about the newcomers to this team. Uh, the poll asked which one, which one do you think Uh, has been the most impressive and I'm interested to hear uh, your thoughts on that we'll be back again next week thanks for joining us